visiting Gold Mountain Temple. My home is where the river first bubbles from a fountain. Now official travels take me to where it meets the sea. I've heard the tidal bore here rises one jong high. In these cold days, its marks still show in the sand. On the south bank at Junglung are the meditation rocks, from times past appearing and disappearing with the waves. I tried climbing the hilltop, gazing far off at home, north of the river, south of the river, so many hills. Travel-worn, wary of nightfall, I asked about boats to the shore, but mountain monks pressed me to stay and watch the sunset. Faint wind on the broad water wrinkles like creases in a shoe. Ragged clouds over half the sky a red the color of fishtails. Tonight the river moon was a new crescent. At second watch it set the sky turning inky black. In the heart of the river was something bright as a torch. Streaming rays lighting the hills, startling the roosting crows. I went back to bed puzzled, uncertain what I'd seen. Not human, not ghostly. What could it have been? All these river hills, and I don't go home to hills of my own. The river god sent this wonder to chide my stupidity. Apologies to the river god, but right now, what can I do? If in the end I don't return to homeland fields, let him punish me as he will. Second prose poem from two prose poems on the Red Cliff. This same year, on the 15th day of the 10th month, I was walking back from Snow Hall to my home at Ling Kao. Two friends were with me, and we went by way of Yellow Mud Slope. Frost had already fallen, and the trees were bare of leaves. Our shadows appeared on the ground, and looking up, we saw that the moon had risen. Glancing around to enjoy the sight, we walked along, singing songs back and forth. After a while, I sighed and said, Here I have guests, and there's no wine. And even if I had some wine, there's nothing to eat with it. A clear moon, a fresh breeze, what will we do with such a fine night? Today at sundown, said one of my friends, I put out a net and caught some fish with big mouths and delicate scales, like the perch of Pine River, and there must be somewhere we can get some wine. As soon as I got home, I consulted my wife. I have a gallon of wine that's been put away for a long time, she said. I was saving it for some occasion when you might suddenly need it. So we took the wine and fish and went for another trip to the foot of the Red Cliff. The river raced along noisily, its sheer banks rising a thousand feet. The mountains were very high, the moon small. The level of the water had fallen, leaving boulders sticking out. How much time had passed since my last visit? I couldn't recognize them as the same river and hills. 
Tucking up my robe, I began to climb, picking my way along the steep embankment, pushing through tangled grass, straddling rocks the shape of tigers, clambering over roots twisted like dragons. I pulled my way up to the eagle's precarious nest and looked down into the hidden halls of the river god. My two friends couldn't keep up. I gave a long, shrill whoop. Trees and grass shook and swayed, the mountains rang, the valley echoed. A wind came up, roiling the water, and I felt a chill of sadness, a shrinking fear. I knew with a shudder that I couldn't stay there any longer. I went back to my friends and got into the boat, and we turned it loose to drift with the current, content to let it stop wherever it chose. The night was half over and all around was deserted and still, when a lone crane appeared, cutting across the river from the east. Its wings looked like cartwheels, and it wore a black robe and a coat of white silk. With a long, grating cry, it swooped over our boat and went off to the west. Soon afterwards, I left my friends and went to bed. I dreamed I saw a Taoist immortal in a feather robe come bouncing down the road past the foot of Ling Cow. He bowed to me and said, Did you enjoy your outing to the Red Cliff? I asked him his name, but he looked down and didn't answer. Ah, oh, wait, of course, now I know. Last evening, flying over our boat and crying. That was you, wasn't it? He turned his head and laughed, and I woke up with a start. I opened the door and peered out, but I could see no sign of him. Mirage at Sea For a long time, I have heard of the mirage to be seen off the coast of Dengzhou. The elders of the place told me that it usually appeared in spring or summer, and since I arrived so late in the year, there was little hope I could see it now. Five days after I reached my new post, I was ordered to leave, and I was very annoyed at having had no chance to see the mirage, so I went to pray at the shrine of the sea god, the king of broad virtue. The next day I saw the mirage and wrote this poem. To the east, clouds and sea, emptiness on emptiness. And do immortals come and go in that bright void? From undulations of the floating world all forms are born, but no gates of cowrie locked on palaces of pearl. It is all illusion, my mind knows, but my eyes dare plead to see the god's invention. Cold days, icy sea, though heaven and earth are sealed, consent for my sake to rouse your sleeping dragons. Banked towers, blue-green hills rise in the frosty dawn, the mirage, a wonder to astound the elders. In this world, all is won by human strength alone. Beyond the world is nothing. Who works these wonders? I blurted out a plea and it was not denied. Troubles too must be man-made and not of light from heaven. When the governor of Chaoyang turned north from exile, he rejoiced to see the piled up crests of Mount Hung, claiming his honest heart had moved mountain spirits, unaware the creator merely pitied his old age. He had his delight not easy to come by. 
the gods rewarded him richly, too. Late sun, a lone bird, lost in boundless distance. I see only green sea, a buffed bronze mirror. This new poem of woven words, what good is it? To follow and fade with all else when east winds blow. The text of these poems comes from selected poems of Su Dong Po, and they were translated from the Chinese by Burton Watson. They have been recontextualized for the purposes of education, commentary, and artistic representation. This audio composition and its associated documentation are protected under fair use law. Please visit the link provided in the episode description for extensive notes on Visiting Golden Mountain Temple by Sudong Paul and its context within both world poetry and UFO studies.